This is Biz. I'm a part-time working mom with two full-blown kids. And I'm Teresa. I have a family business, two young kids, and a toddler. This is a show about life after giving life. Don't listen with your kids, because there will be swears. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, corrections. Plus, Biz changed parenting styles. Teresa is not in mint condition. And we talked to Catherine Diagnazio and Jen Roberts about the continuing work of making the breast pump not suck. Woo! I'm tired. That was a, that was that was barely a woo from you. That I I gave it sixty five percent at least. I was a strong thirty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Teresa, how are you? I am not great. Ah, uh-huh. yeah, I. <laughs> I think, like, I do that thing where I overdo it Mm -hmm. because I have a good day and I think I can do more than I should actually do. Mm -hmm. So if you guys remember, last week I was fresh off of a trip that Mm -hmm. I took with Oscar. Yeah. Then this past weekend was Oscar's sixth birthday. I really love him and I feel bad because I threw him a birthday party And it was a nice birthday party, and it was so exhausting for me that I still don't feel recovered from it. No. And that makes me feel bad. Yeah. Because I feel like I should be able to do that once in a while and be okay. Everything was fine. Sure. We did it. He was happy. Yeah. But I'm deeply depleted from that. Like, still. Yeah. So that sucks. And... Then I'm just, I have a lot this week. Like, we have, you guys know that Curtis has been in speech therapy, and because he's approaching his third birthday, this is the time where, like, his services get switched from, like, regional center to school district, and so they're doing new assessments for him. I have two this week for him. It just happens to be the same week that I'm getting assessment results back for Oscar, this week on Wednesday. And then the same, for some reason this week, I also have an IEP, Grace's annual IEP meeting. Oh my and Lord. And it's Oscar's like first teacher conference on Friday because it's conference yeah. time. So I don't know how, I think it's because just the timing of a lot of things, but also, and just fall is like this. Yeah. But also, Jesse is going on tour the week after. And so we kind of had to do stuff before he leaves. And I really just real like I knew all of these things were coming up, but yeah. I just realized today, oh, all of those things are this week. Yeah. Like I have two things a day every day this week, and they're all emotional yeah. for me. Like I'm not all better. For, I'm not like yeah. fully yeah. like, oh, this is fine. This is my life. Like I'm still processing a lot of these things right. about my kids. And it'll be okay, but I don't feel like I don't feel good today. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm like coming yeah. off the birthday thing, and then I just have all this stuff going on this week, and I feel I don't feel strong. Yeah, you know? like I don't feel resilient today. I feel like kind of beaten down. You know what I mean? I like am, that's really what it's a lot is getting to me. So let me ask you this: mm-hmm. What are you going to be for Halloween? <laughs> I was like, mm, how about witch cowboy? 
because we can't just be a witch anymore, right? Well, we've really been a mom witch yeah. a lot. Yeah. And we've I've been a mom cowboy a Did lot. Did you do a mom cowboy? I've been a mom cowboy. Yeah, because that's like one of the other so really easy. easy ones. Everybody's got yeah. a cowboy hat laying around somewhere. Yeah. 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 And mom witch. Yeah. Man, I'm sorry. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's just cry through the episode. Okay. Okay. How are you? I'm super tired as uh-huh. well. But what I what I just wanted to share was I had this moment this morning of like words coming out of my mouth and I thought, boy, those aren't the same words I used to use. Like so it's it's kind of a cool morning in Southern California today. And by cool, I mean, you know, in the, like, upper 50s and the kids, you know, this is freezing for us, right? Mm -hmm. For most of Katie Bell's young life, I would be like, you need to go put pants on. You need to put a jacket on. You need to dress appropriately. Mm -hmm. She never wore what was appropriate for the weather. If it was 100 degrees, she'd be, like, in a blazer. If it's 50 degrees, she's in shorts and a T-shirt. It just never was correct. And I would spend all my morning, you need to go back and get the jacket, Mm -hmm. right? This morning, she walks out, and it's she's in shorts Mm -hmm. and, like, a sweater and a T-shirt. And, you know, I hadn't made any, I mean, outside of saying, yeah, it's going to be cold this morning, I didn't say much, but she steps out and she says, It's so cold. Mm -hmm. And while I would have in the past said, go back in and get your jacket, Mm -hmm. I instead said, you're going to be fine. Go get in the car. Yeah. Time to go. (laughs) Yeah. Like my, my like, yeah. Like my care about their like physical well-being is like no longer there really. I mean, it Uh is, but I know it's going to be fine in like 15 minutes when they get to school. I know. And also just get in the damn car right to no one once you cross the threshold you're not allowed to go back in you're outside now and whatever you've got with you is what you've got for the day get in the car you know like i just realized i am beyond correcting my children as to what they should or should not be wearing for the right weather Mm -hmm. which i think ties in nicely to our topic today which is correcting Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Teresa. Corrections. <laughs> This idea for a topic came to me the other night. Ellis, for a very long time, his entire speaking life, mm-hmm. has referred to Starbucks as Starblocks. Mm-hmm. And Stefan thinks this is adorable. Mm-hmm. And he's second child. I don't give two shits. He'll figure it out one mm-hmm. day. So we've never corrected him. And the other day, Stefan came in. He had just gotten through finishing up Ellis's nighttime routine, bedtime routine, tucking him in. And he comes in and he says, well, it's over. Ellis knows to call it Starbucks now. And I was like, I'm really sorry, Stefan. Because he loved this. And I thought, huh, see? 
the theory that it's just going to sort itself out. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Ellis was like, what do you mean it's star- Starbucks? I've always called it Starbucks. How could you ruin my life like mm-hmm. this? He just changed the way he said it. Uh-huh. That's all. He That's all this was. On it at some he just, point yeah, eventually it. Yeah. it came out the right yeah. way. Yeah. And it made me start thinking about like the times when I choose to correct mm-hmm. and the times when I choose not to correct mm-hmm. and really how much it matters or how much time I should be staying up until two in the morning concerned about it. So that's where I am for this soup of a topic. Yeah. I guess I'll just start with the simple one, the cute one. Yeah. Correcting your kids when they mispronounce stuff or think something is true that is not. Because I want to say that Katie Bell was really adamant of correcting Ellis. Oh. And this was when she was like seven and eight. Uh She could not like let it go. Mm -hmm. Every time he'd say, it's Starbucks. And he'd be like, what? You know, like yeah. I just, and she would be getting frustrated. And I would have to step in and say, Katie Bell, you need to understand. Yeah. That's just not where his brain is working right now. Yeah. And thanks to therapy, I learned that developmentally, she was at a place where yeah. being correct was very important. Yes. Because for her, she had this feeling that he was going to go out and say Starbucks and it was going to be embarrassing and ruin his life and like, Maybe we were lying to him. I don't know. So, yeah, what are, where are you on corrections? Well, I'll always remember, and Jesse and I will always talk about Oscar saying, instead of saying octopus, yeah. for the longest time he said octoflus. Oh, octoflus. And it was yeah. the best thing mm-hmm. ever. So we treasured that for as long as it would last. And then for a while it was octoplus. Sure. Which was also great. That was also fantastic. Good. I like octoplus. Yeah, he just says it pretty much correctly. And Grand- what a jerk. <laughs> and, and Gracie, she used to always say corrector instead mm. of character. Ah. And that one was also adorable until she like continued to say it for so long, even though even after she kind of knew. And it was she was saying that pre-reading. Yeah. So it was like she just said it that way. I don't know why. And as she got older, it was like we had talked about it and she kind of like heard us and knew, but that was just how she said it. And so after a while, we were a little bit like, should we step in? Should we like <laughs> really start working on this with her? Should we character her? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just a weird thing. But right now we are in that moment that you went through with Katie Bell and Ellis before with Curtis and Oscar. Oscar. So now it's Curtis being two and a half. And I'm constantly finding myself saying, he's two. Yeah, he's doing his best. He's learning to talk. Yeah, he can't. He's trying. That's what it sounds like to him. I know it's, I know it's, like, there's all these things. I'm just like, and I try to say it because I I agree. Oscar's trying to help. Yeah. He's, he's like, no, that's not, because I, because also I think it's not just him trying to help his sibling. I think it's also, he just figured it out. Yeah. And so somebody else doing it, quote unquote, wrong, sort of challenges this new grasp on reality that he barely has. And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure like this, having learned it, like that feels important now that I, I figured this out. So therefore like, don't mess with 
what I think I now have a handle on. Right. Right? Because that's Sky confusing. blue. Yes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. You know what I think it is about the kids no longer saying things like Starblocks mm-hmm. or Octopus mm-hmm. is that is that it signifies like almost a rite of passage. Like it signifies a leveling up. Yeah. And like so when Stefan came in, it was like, oh, Starblocks is gone. Yeah. Right? It's a little like yeah. House at Pooh Corner. Yes. Yeah, right? Like it is. I feel you don't turn back. Like you're excited yeah. that they can do it. Yeah. But there's no there's going no the going other direction. The other way. Yeah. And like even the thing about like Katie Bell and Oscar wanting to correct their siblings also was a sign of not going back. It's also a True. leveling up of yeah. like, I understand this is important to you to want to correct this because now your reality is different. Like now you know. Yeah. You took the red pill. You understand, <laughs> right? Like that's frustrating. And it's frustrating for everybody, which I think actually is kind of amazing because I think it sort of ties into this idea of correcting how our kids correct. Oh, yeah. Right? So I, like, And I almost there's feel like... There's an art to it. There's an art to it. But yeah. I also feel like I'm almost leaving something out about the star... Like, I feel like with Katie Bell, there was some stuff she said that was super cute and was wrong, <laughs> like in what she called <laughs> yeah. things, and they were fine. But we probably did more correcting mm. with her. Mm-hmm. And with Ellis... I think whether it was conscious or not, we let a lot more go mm-hmm. because maybe we were feeling that like, oh, once that's mm-hmm. gone, yeah. once they're saying it right, they're older. Mm-hmm. They're older. Yeah. They're like they're older. They're yeah. people. That's what we want them to be. Yes. But like there's an art to how I think we correct. Mm-hmm. And I think there is an art to teaching them how to correct. (laughs) Correcting how our kids kids correct correct is is very, very important. Yes. Sometimes I am very good at it. Sometimes I am the worst at it. Like, I will give, I'm not leading well, by Mm -hmm. example. The other area I wonder, should I correct or not correct, is memories. Mm -hmm. When my kids start spouting out memories Mm -hmm. of things that have happened that are not remotely true, Okay, like, no, I didn't say that. No, it wasn't when you were four. It was when you were eight. Yeah. No, it wasn't like those yeah. kind of things. Sometimes I'm just like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. oh, that's not a good way to correct this. Yeah. Why are you telling your brother he's wrong? Yeah. Right? Oh, right. So how do you correct correcting? Yeah. I I mean, I definitely set a bad example for it sometimes because yeah. I'll do the same thing. Like, for example, I will, if somebody's correcting somebody rudely, yeah. I will then be rude yes. sometimes. Oh, like, sure. I will be like, excuse me. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, I'm just really, because I'm, I'm feeling defensive yeah. for the person who's being corrected. Yeah. Um, and then other times, like, uh, because Gracie, she's, she's really starting to get a handle on the art of correcting but um <laughs> a lot of times she will correct me and my initial reaction is just to be like wow thanks because it, yeah. to me it feels 
like peripheral. Like she's kind of being like nitpicky about something that's right. not actually relevant to what I'm doing, and I'm doing something for her. Yeah. And so I'm like, wow, cool. Thank, thanks for pointing that out. But then I'm like, oh. <laughs> You meant no harm. Like, right. you're just pointing out, like, what you know. Like, you're just telling me what you know. Yes. And so, like, then I'll have to backtrack and I'll say, like, actually, okay, <laughs> you're right. Yes. Like, thank you for saying that. The reason that upset me. And I'll have to, like, walk her through and, Ooh. like, explain. Like, this is how it kind of... because. It's true, like, even on Twitter as adults, yeah. there are there are ways that we, like, on yes. our show get corrected. Yes. And we're like, you know what? Wow, you're right. Correct. Thank you for correcting us about yes. that. Like, some kind of language that we used or some, some like, whole concept right. that we missed. And, like, that, it, somebody can correct us out there in the world in a really polite but, like, Fair hey, yeah. way that's fair. And then there's another way that we can be corrected where it does feel like we're being picked on. Where, for where no they don't reason. identify us as people. It's more like that thing <laughs> but did this wrong. But or right, it's yeah. like just still wanting to show, even as an adult, yeah. still wanting to show I know this and yeah. I know what's right. Where right. it's a little bit like Well, but it goes into like Katie Bell's getting better at the correcting thing too. It was a long road. Yeah. But a lot of times it just pulled down from like, why do you feel you need to say that? Yeah. You know, and for her, it was she needed to feel right. Mm, she yeah. it felt like power. Yeah. To be right. Yeah. And being wrong was completely unacceptable. Yeah. I'm so sorry, Katie Bell. Yeah. <laughs> you have mudgings yeah. all in you. But I think there is also something annoying about being the parent who's being corrected. Mm -hmm. And again, I get they're not doing it to be mean. Yeah. But when all you're doing is spending most of your time <laughs> yes. and energy in doing things for them. Yeah. That is where maybe I'm not good. I become the like, you know, sometimes my kids have been like, this is my special way of doing it. Uh -huh. Right. And I'm like. That doesn't matter. Yeah. But I do the same thing. I'm like, well, this is how it's happening because of my time yeah. schedule. Right? Because sure. I've already been doing this. Yeah. Right? And then I'm like, okay. Like explaining and why you're defensive. doing the incorrect thing. Yeah. It's being defensive. It's being defensive. Yeah, it's, right. Like as you're saying it, you sometimes kind of know yeah. how oh. they're really kind of right. But I just. I'm too tired. I don't. But yeah. Yeah. I just feel. I'm in charge of the I, errors I, I'm making right now. Because I said so. And then you're like, God, why don't I afford my children that same luxury of being <laughs> right. able to do yeah. that? Right? Like, yes. ooh, no one yeah. likes to be yeah. corrected at all. Okay. <laughs> this is actually really good, yeah. I think, because I think we're also getting back around to the fact that sometimes it is okay to even, like, set an example of when our kids say something Thinking about, like, well, that's how they're perceiving something. Sure. I might not see it that way, but that really might be how they're perceiving it. And so rather than actually making a correction, just saying, like, wow, I usually think of it as blah, 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 blah. Ooh. But it seems like you see it another way. Wow. Or something like that. Like, that's... I'm so impressed that for as tired and broken as you are, <laughs> so tired you and still broken. have great language. Like, you still have a great way of putting that beautiful Teresa, like, spin and language on it where I'm just like, that's so good. Because, yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I think that kind of falls into the category of the, like, Starblocks correcting where it's like, 
you know what? I know my kid's either going to figure out this is how they want to approach this thing they're approaching. And I know it's just a different version of the Starblocks, right? And through experience and exposure, they're going to decide if that's still how it needs to be done, right? Like, and my telling them is, you know, not the best use of my energy when I could save that energy and respond better when they come at me. (laughs) You know? Totally. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Nat Geo. Did you know that pharaoh hounds blush when they're excited? Or that the Norse goddess Freya drove a chariot pulled by two giant cats? Nat Geo Kids has the perfect books for your pet lover. National Geographic Dog Breed Guide and National Geographic Cat Breed Guide. Plus, it's really fun looking at the dog that cats. They're so Inside each book, you'll find hundreds of info-packed breed profiles, tips for finding the perfect pet, tons of facts, and of course, adorable animal photography. (laughs) Remember, adopt, don't shop, but do your research. One Bad Mother listeners can get 15% off when they use the promo code BADMOTHER on shop.nationalgeographic.com. That's shop.nationalgeographic.com, promo code BADMOTHER. One word. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206 206- Three five zero nine four eight five. Genius fail time, Teresa. Genius me. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh my God, that's fucking genius. Okay. Um, <laughs> tell me if I've already said this because I've been thinking about saying it for a while. Pretty sure I haven't. But Gracie got her ears pierced a few months ago, and I got inspired because I had been helping her with, like, the ear care after she got her ears pierced, which is, like, you know, a few times a day you have to, like, spray it with the saline wash, and then there's, like, a moisturizer to put on, and you just, like, want to keep them clean. Yeah. And you want to keep good jewelry in them at all times. And I kind of... It kind of occurred to me, like, my my own ear piercings have been, like, kind of a wreck. I've had them <laughs> since I was nine years old. Yeah. But I just have never taken really very good care of them. And, like, I just put on, you know, whatever crappy earrings yeah. on the day I decide to wear earrings. My ears get kind of irritated. And then I, like, clean them, and then I don't use them again. But then it, like, takes a while to, like, kind of heal. And, be- yeah. and they're just, like, not in that good of shape. But after, after like, helping... <laughs> 
helping Grace with her ears. I was like, I could just have good jewelry in my ears all the time yeah. and like clean them regularly. And then I my ears would be happy and I could wear earrings more and like have it not hurt. Yeah. So I've been caring for my own ear piercings the same way that I've been caring for Gracie's ear piercings. And it's been very nice. Good job. Thank you. This past weekend was the school Halloween haunted house. <gasps> you did it. Event. You did it. In which I was not only a co-chair of the event. Oh wow. I was also with Stefan in charge of three separate areas of the haunted house because we did not have enough people to be in charge of the different areas. For two days straight, I was at the school from like you know, 9 o'clock until 9.30, 10.30. Like never leaving the school except to go and get like whatever was close by to eat. Wow. I never sat. I mean, we. I was like my body, like so many things. And my parents were in town. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I just put that. Here's the thing. It was great. Uh-huh. Everything looked and went great Mm -hmm. and people had a great time my father got to be in one of the scenes at the last minute and he was great people kept coming by being like he's like in character and he's like i feel like i feel like that i really feel scared i know it was so good like thinking back to your stories from childhood right like like he would be really really good right so that was good and it all just went off great. Good and job. And I did it. That's amazing. You're it. amazing. Thank you. Good job. Hi, Biz and Teresa. I am calling with a genius. And it's a genius that makes me happy and my relationship better. Um, so my love language is gifts, which always kind of makes me feel slightly bad to say, but it is what it is. I also love to give them. It's part of the fun. So my love language is gifts, which my lovely husband does try to show me love in that way, but it usually means he's buying me, like, sweets and things that I can eat, and I'm trying to be healthier. And he also respects that I don't like to have lots of stuff in my house. And so he was like, um, I need help ideas. And so I said, should I put some little gift ideas on my Amazon wish list? And he's like, yes, please do that. And so today, a gift appeared at my house. He's doing a good job, and I'm doing a good job. Thanks. Have a great day. This is so good. It's so good. We've talked about this in the past, this like, you know, the people in your lives cannot read your thoughts to know what it is that you need. And you've been so good at identifying how, you know, your partner can show you mm-hmm. that he appreciates you and loves you and those kind of things. That's so good. And he's doing a good job yeah. of identifying that. I need help. I need help. Yeah. Because, you know, because no one wants to get in the cycle where, like, if you're not communicating and somebody's thinking they're giving you the stuff that you want and it's not making you feel good, but you both don't want to hurt each other's feelings, the yeah. fact that you guys were, like, able to 
like both say what you needed. Yeah. And now you get to just get the thing that you want. I yeah. just I and love feel this. loved at the same time. And feel lo- and your partner can feel loved that he's like doing a good job. I just think you are doing such a good job. Yes, you are. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Fail me, Teresa. Um, okay. So <laughs> We've been having this. Grace has been doing great at school this year. But one problem that has been ongoing is like she keeps taking her shoes off at school, like in in (laughs) class and like at different times throughout the day. And her teacher has been great about it and like trying to come up with like deals to make with her. Like, well, if you just keep your shoes on for P.E. and you have your socks on in class, like he's been like really working with her. And I'm, like, thinking to myself, like, does she need different shoes? Like, does she need, like, more comfortable? Like, I go out of my way to have, like, good, supportive shoes for her. Well, I went, her shoes were just, like, getting pretty trash. And so I was, like, it's probably time to buy new shoes. Let's see, you know, if we should get a bigger size or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, her shoes that she's been wearing to school that keep coming off at school, they are a size and a half too small. For her. Oh! So do you think that might have had something to do with why she kept taking them off? You know what? It might. It It might. It could have. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? I don't pay attention to my children's feet either. So, yeah, that's... Wow. They were way too small. Wow, that's way, I mean that's too way small. too small. Yeah. I I don't want to say anything to make you feel like weird, but mm-hmm. I think those were too small. Oh, you do? I do. Do you think they might have been? I they might have been. I mean, we'll never really know uh, for um, sure. You know what? We so. should go on a message board and find out. <laughs> Get some opinions. Source source some opinions. Well, you suck. Yep. My fail this weekend is that I did not take enough Tylenol. Oh. <laughs> My guys, I am 45 years old. And that's okay. I love being 45 years old. (laughs) Over the last few years, as I've done these various events at school that are incredibly physically demanding, I realize that my body is different than the body I once had a while ago. Huh. Yeah. I didn't think my body would ever change. Yeah. I didn't think that, like, (laughs) the way I conduct my life... (laughs) would affect how a sudden burst of, like, CrossFit-level activity might make me feel. Yeah. What I've learned is that it doesn't make me feel good. And I was so physically hurt that I just, and, like, tired that I couldn't even, like, get to, you know, you're like, I really need some Tylenol. (laughs) But then I'd have to get up. But then I'd have to, like, I just, uh... Uh, or like you only take like the one dose yeah and you really should have been taking it like every four to six hours yeah (laughs) older bodies (laughs) hi one bad mother i'm calling with a fail so i was at a restaurant with my husband and my two kids and there's one and a half year old and a three and a half year old and i really have a hard time with 
restaurant cups and the kid cups and straws and the lids and the kids are always pulling the straws out of the cup and my my three and a half year old can definitely use a cup without a lid so I said you know what just please bring us a cup without a lid and a straw with milk in it and she'll be fine so we got our cup with the milk and of course within five minutes of getting the milk the milk has been spilled all over the table so the waiter comes back and says do you want a lid for your cup? And I feel like a complete idiot. And I say, you know what? We're done with the milk. But, you know, you just can't win. Thanks. Have a great day. Everyone's doing a great job. <laughs> Would you care yeah. for a lid so now? now? Would you like a wi- Yeah. I, my favorite part of this call is at the beginning where she says, I really have a hard time yeah. with the lids. Like, as though this is just something particular to her. Yeah. Like, she just has this quirk about her personality yeah. where she's annoyed Quirking. with. Yeah, the straw, it, you really can't win. It's no. true. Like, the straw and the lid are yeah. their own set of issues. And having one, having a small cup with no lid and straw is an is, issue. Is, but that's also, I feel like, given the options, it's still a reasonable sure. option. You know, for me, it's when, okay. The cup is either too big and they start to tilt Tilt it, it. even though there's a lid and a straw, it's going to burst the dam. It's going to burst the dam. Or they lift lift it up. If they're a little kid, they start lifting it. And they're like, why can't I get anything to drink? Or it's spilling. Or it's spilling. Or they, like, the lid hasn't been put on properly. Or my favorite. They're holding it and they squeeze it just enough yeah. to force the lid off. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, or, that happens. Or to erupt liquid straight up the straw. Or, as she mentioned, yeah. the pulling the straw yeah. out. In and out. The other one is because it's a straw and it's milk. My kids will just drink the whole thing right, right away. away because it's a straw. Like if there's no straw, yeah. they'll take little sips. They won't chug the whole thing. No. But if there's a straw, they'll just drink the entire eight, ten ounce yeah. cup before the food even gets there. I am of the no seconds refills generations. Mm, yeah. That is like you go to a restaurant. And I can remember my father being like, this is all you're getting yeah. for your drink. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah. suck it all down. Also, the in out straw, eventually the straw gets broken yep. and eventually gets like bent and yes. then it doesn't work or yes. liquid comes out of the side. Mm-hmm. I smell an entire <laughs> show topic. <laughs> and that is eating out and cups. Well, you're doing a horrible job yeah. just being out in the world. Yep. Everybody else is fine with cups. It's just, just you. you know, something wrong with your There's, family. Yeah, your whole family. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> you suck. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Canvas On Demand. At Canvas On Demand, you can transform your photos into stunning canvas wall art displays for your home or to give as a gift. Always affordable and only using the highest quality materials and inks. Ordering takes only a couple of minutes and you can upload your photo directly from your phone. 
so you can capture every moment that demands a canvas. Try today and create your own 16 by 20 canvas print for just $19.99 today at canvasondemand.com slash badmother. Hey, Teresa, let's call someone today. Teresa, this week we are talking to two people. <laughs> we are going to be talking to Catherine D'Ignazio, who's an assistant professor of urban science and planning in the Department of Urban Studies and Planning at MIT and director of the Data Plus Feminism Lab. Jen Roberts is an educator, facilitator, and mother who brings over 15 years of experience and passion in race and equity work. She is also the founder and CEO of Versed Education Group, which helps organizations begin conversations about race and equity that lead to action and lasting change. Catherine and Jen are co-directors of the Make the Breast Pump Not Suck Project. Welcome to One Bad Mothers. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Very slight correction that I'm a former, this is Catherine, I'm a former co-director, but Jen is now actually a co-director with another one of our colleagues named Kate Prentiris, and that they represent the future of Make the Breast Pumps Not Suck. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Thank you for that correction. That is wonderful. Just hang up, Catherine. I'm just uh, Biz, did you notice how politely she corrected you? She did. How polite you were in accepting her correction. I was almost polite until I made that joke. Our topic today was correcting. Uh, like, do you correct your kids when they pronounce like something wrong, or is it too adorable? And then we discovered that the real conversation was, how do you? correct how your kid corrects people. Um, so anyway, you did a lovely job. But let's, I'm going to start before we get into making the breast pump not suck, which I could make a lot of jokes about right this minute. <laughs> Catherine, I want to start with you. Who lives in your house? So in my house, we have me, my husband and partner for a long time. And uh, we have three lovely children, ages six, eight, and 11, and one grumpy cat and one lovely cat. (laughs) (laughs) That is a perfect sounding household. That sounds just about right. And you always have one grumpy and one nice cat as a person who has three cats. With three cats, I have one nice, one grumpy, and one who's just kind of (laughs) dumb. Which one yeah. is the dumb one? Is it Steve? Yeah. Steve's, a, Steve's a little... Anyway. Yeah, Steve's not too bright. He's a very oh. voluptuous boy who constantly doesn't understand what edges are. Oh. So, oh. anywho. I know, poor baby. All right, Jen, who lives in your house? So, mine is much simpler than Catherine's. <laughs> it is me and my seven-year-old daughter, Nia, who probably has the energy of three kids. But, um, <laughs> is a delight and a dancer and so we get to vibe very much creatively in our space so that's who is in my house oh yeah yeah we are big believers in the like distilling the myth that it's not about the number of kids in your house it's about your kids (laughs) in general three is 
three is something, and one is something. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the only uh, child stuff is real. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can 100%. Yes, my my father is an only child, and he's very real. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into making the breast pump not suck. So in 2014, on episode 82 of this very show uh, in November, so almost five years ago, we spoke to Alexandra Metrol about the very first hackathon that MIT had. And that was a great conversation. It was such a genius idea. Let's start, Catherine, with you. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of the hackathons over the last couple of years and how you came to be involved with the project? The, the first hackathon was at, and, and the second hackathon, were at the MIT Media Lab, which is kind of like a epicenter of technology and innovation. And at the time, in, in 2014, hackathons were becoming pretty big around MIT, uh, at tech companies, in open source software communities. Um, and so, you know, they're becoming big for a variety of reasons, but basically there were these ways of people coming together for short periods of time, like weekends, um, to try to either make progress on something, like open source software communities often come together to try to like really hack on their projects, like make some good progress on their projects while they're together, or in the case of like corporate sponsored hackathons, you know, they're trying to, like the corporation poses a problem and people come in and solve them. Um, and they're usually young and most of them are white. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> so, you know, so, the, so we were kind of like, as well, actually, let me back up a little bit. So before we started this idea, um, I was a graduate student at the MIT Media Lab and kind of in this like high tech innovation milieu. And I also had my third baby, my uh, daughter, Maggie Jo. And so she was just a tiny little thing. And like, I was trying to kind of like balance. I had her sometimes with a nanny. Sometimes I was bringing her just to classes and stuff with me. And then when I wasn't with her, I was pumping. (laughs) And I don't know if you all have been to the MIT Media Lab, but it's this like award-winning, prize-winning building, but it's literally all transparent glass. (laughs) No privacy anywhere. (laughs) And... I also like to call it the theater of innovation. <laughs> you can look at everybody doing innovation. <laughs> but if you are a breastfeeding mom, mm. then like there's nowhere to nurse privately. There's nowhere to pump privately. So where I went, it was the bathroom. And yeah. um, it's a nice bathroom. It's a bathroom, you know, and so it's yeah. like sitting and there's no chairs. There's no diaper changing tables. It's like sitting on the floor, spilling breast milk all over the bathroom floor of the MIT Media Lab. And, I came out of the bathroom and I complained and basically it was just like bitching to my colleague of like, why do I have to do this? You know, we're at the freaking MIT media lab and like, why am I sitting on the bathroom floor? Yeah. Um, and she was Alexis Hope, who was still involved with the project. And she was like, let's do something about this. Like, here we are at the media lab. Let's do something about it. And so that's really how the first, hackathon came about and our conversations were like okay we're hacking everything else like we're making all these futuristic things like let's actually just hack a technology that thousands hundreds of thousands of women in this country are using um and uh make it better and so that's really how the the make the breast pump not suck hackathon was born um 
And it went viral. That first time around when you all talked about Akanja, um, people were just like, like, what? Like, MIT is hacking the breast pump, what? You know, and so through that process, we had over a thousand people wrote to us with their ideas for how to improve the breast pump. And that's when we knew we were really, we had really like tapped into something that was meaningful and important. And, um, you know, it's always been about much more than the pump. Like it's great. Like we can say like, yeah, let's make the breast pump not suck. And that's great. Cause right. it does suck in like literal and figurative ways. <laughs> like, right. Um, but it's always been about more than that. It's like, let's make, you know, breastfeeding, possible and achievable for as many people as possible. I, I, I just want to add, it's also about recognizing that women are people and part of society and that anything related to uh, children being in your house, right? Like that, yeah. that has value. I mean, it's, yes. it, there, it's not just, oh yeah, let's make this, you know, instrument you know, better. It, the question is, why haven't we? Well, it probably because exactly. it, well, it's doing, <laughs> I always feel that with a lot of like female related things, it is about, yeah. it's about like, we fixed the problem once it's all done. done. Yeah. We didn't actually right. do a yeah. great deal of research, <laughs> but, but you got, you guys something. got it. This yeah. is, it's good enough. Yeah. Jen, I want to ask you, how did you get involved with this project? And given your your background, especially working in, you know, race and equity work, there's been a lot in the news lately about breastfeeding and people of color and uh, breastfeeding is such like a up and down. <laughs> like it can make you have mm -hmm. all the feelings in all the different ways. But I'd like to talk about here about how you got involved and how you see this project working with that side of, of breastfeeding. So, you know, after the 2014 hackathon, um, Catherine and the crew got a lot of responses from different women yeah. um, about the things that were working for them and the things that were not working. And I think that they then realized, you know, there was a whole lot more than just hacking the pump. Like there was right. more to it. And that a lot of the things that came out of the 2014 hackathon were at price points that really weren't going to help um, marginalized groups. Um, yeah. They were things that they could not afford or would not have access to. And so like it solved the problem for a group of people, but it didn't <laughs> solve it for the folks that really need the most help. Right. Um, and so um, they called on um, me to come on and help the group um, share a vision for what an equity focused hackathon could look like. What would it look like to do this again, but to, you know, create a space where um, we were designing um solutions with marginalized groups in mind. Um, and as we did that work, I think what we also were learning and trying to discover together is the fact that because this type of work has been predominantly male and predominantly white mm -hmm. um, in the past, that we were going to have to do quite a bit of work um, to make the room for the 2018 hackathon look like the people we wanted to serve. Um, and so we <laughs> were sorry. I do not mean to laugh. I am not laughing. I'm just like, it's so stunning to me. Yeah, of course, white men created all this stuff and we're like, it's done. And like, <laughs> we have to actually work to make the room look like the people who would use it, which would be, again, a room full of people with children, mothers, women, 
make sense. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. it's not shocking, but it's also just like, I've just reached this point where everything just comes out of me like a cynical laugh. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I apologize for I, laughing. I am that way sometimes as well, because some of these problems seem so ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, how can we have not solved this by now? Like, are we serious? So like, I yeah. have those moments as well. <laughs> Um, and I think it was, you know, for us, it was more than just like getting women in the room. Cause I think we probably could have easily got a bunch of women in the room, yes. but it was about making that room the majority people of color as well, yes. which in the tech world can be difficult. It's not that we don't exist. It's just that, um, a lot of folks don't take the time to find us. And right. so, um, it was very important for us to make sure that that room was majority women and people of color, that those folks represented you know, lots of different backgrounds in terms of socioeconomic status, that we had Native women in the room that were speaking for themselves and yeah. the things that they needed, that we had trans folks in the room speaking for what they needed. And so the the real intention here was not to put people in a room to design for other people, but to put people in a room to design for themselves. Oof. And that's not what we usually do Yeah. Um, in our world. And it's what we should be doing more of. And so we really wanted to try to, I don't think we thought it would turn out like this, but we started it. <laughs> But I think at this point, the way we're thinking about things is that this is an opportunity to really help show folks what's cap- what we're capable of when you create the space and the time for people of color and marginalized groups and give them the resources that they need. They can solve their own problems. They don't really need us to solve problems for them. Um, they just need the space and the time and the opportunity and the resources to do it for themselves. And so that's really what we were trying to do, what we've been trying to do, what our what our um, collective is really um, focused on in terms of that too. So that's kind of the difference of the two and like how I got a part of this wonderful crew. So Jen, I'm going to follow up with the question of what, you know, and Catherine, you can jump in. What came out of the 2018 one? I mean, what were the really big takeaways that you guys were like that when you put this group together, you know, produced? There were a couple of things. Like one, I think, um, the fact that we added policy hacking um, mm. to this one was something different. And I think, um, you know, like folks looking at places other than the tech world to quote unquote hack was something <laughs> that was different for people. But I think that once they got in the room and they were like, oh, we absolutely could be breaking down these policies and trying to figure out, like, how do we work together? Um, some of the folks that were in the room were doing the same work in different states but had never met each other. And so, like, the ability to then bring those people together to have a bigger impact when they left um, was something that I knew that I thought was excellent and great about the experience. But some of the things that came out of the breast pump hacking that I thought um, were interesting, my favorite winner um, was the group from New Orleans, from the New Orleans Breastfeeding Center, um, and what they created which was a, a pack to use for breastfeeding in emergency situations. And the two people who were a part of that group were, they lived through Hurricane Katrina. Ooh. They knew the things that they, that they had issues with in terms of trying to feed their children and watching yeah. other people try to feed their children during that process. And so for them, this was personal. This was like, there is a better way for us to do this. We're going to have disasters in this city forever. Like we're always going to have hurricanes. So like, how do we create a space that people feel like, at least if I have to evacuate my home, I can still feed my child. And I think that this is the thing that like made me do one of those cynical laughs because I'm like, how have we not done this already? No, I know. It seems so simple. But when you don't have people in the room who've had these experiences, you overlook those problems. And so um, I I know for me, that was one of my favorites. But I know Catherine probably has some. I once again have to do my cynical laugh uh, with you, Jen, of the like, 
I'm trying to think. We live in Southern California, so earthquakes, you know, preparedness Mm, is a big Mm -hmm. thing. And I think about, like, all the, like, lists that we get on Mm -hmm. the radio or at, like, Mm -hmm. school fairs or whatever. It's all tennis shoes, medications, and water. But it's never, like, Mm -hmm. make sure you have tampons, diapers, and breast Mm -hmm. pumps. You know, like, it's... Right. Like, some lists will go so far as to name formula. Formula, that's true. Like, pre-mixed formula. But, like, that doesn't take into account the person who's lactating and their needs. Like, Mm -hmm. if you have formula, great. Yeah. But, like, if you're you're pumping and feeding your baby that way, you can have, use the formula, but then what do you do? Like, you're manually expressing or something? I mean, that's... (laughs) Yeah, it just yes. It's, it's absurd. It's like it's just it's crazy, right? It's just yes. like it's it's impossible, like to think that of all the things that this is something that no one had thought of before, and it took two women in 2018 who had been through a really hard experience yeah. to be mm. given the opportunity, the space to think, the space to walk away from the jobs they have every day, and say like, we've been given this opportunity to have two days to just think, and oh. like most of the time, marginalized people do not have that time. Right. We don't have time to sit and think. And so if we had time to sit and think, if we had resources, if those things were made available to us, imagine the number of problems that could be solved um, by the people who experienced them themselves. So um, I know that's definitely our goal um, with this. Um, I don't know if Catherine has other like yeah, examples Catherine. of this. I feel like that's what we saw through the whole thing. It's just like, oh my goodness, how can we had not figured this out before? <laughs> Yeah, um, totally right. And uh, I would love to share one of my other favorites was uh, the group um, Indigenous Women Rising from New Mexico. Um, so they're a group of Native women, and um, they do breastfeeding advocacy. And I love their innovation because it was just, they did modifications to their traditional Native regalia that they wear for ceremonies, which is like extremely beautiful but very it can be very complicated to put it on like sometimes it can take like a couple hours to actually get all the stuff on and then it often it's like not breastfeeding friendly like at all because there's (laughs) all these different pieces and parts and like so if you're gonna like step away from your ceremony and nurse your baby you have to like completely disrobe and then re-robe it'd be like taking hours away like you need to be sitting out of ceremony and so they worked with uh, native seamstresses um, to do just very uh, smart uh, and discreet modifications to the traditional regalia and sort of like demoed some of those. There's kind of like a couple different designs that they demoed and piloted at the hackathon. And then they've actually gone on to continue to use that. And it's actually become like a little bit of like a small, but like a little bit of an economic development thing. Because like the word has gotten out in their communities that there's this um, source of breastfeeding friendly regalia. And so people are hiring these seamstresses through the Indigenous Women Rising. And so it's really kind of lovely. And again, teaches us that it's like a bunch of like white guys in a R&D lab would not have come up with this, <laughs> you know. Well, so um, this idea of like, okay, how do we get the right people at the table who to actually do the innovations that we need. Oh, I'm just going to heavy sigh. Do you mean listen to people and like <laughs> ask questions or it's much easier? Okay, I'm just going to lose my mind. All right, I'm going to move on. You talked about yep. 
regionals, regional areas, uh, which leads me to my next question, which is you guys started community innovation programs in four different cities, Boston, Detroit, New Mexico, and Tupelo. Can you tell us about those programs? Yeah, so that that came out at an early stage. And so <laughs> we would back up a little bit, like prior to the hackathon, we started planning this the two, 2018 hackathon, you know, like 18 months before it happened. And um, people were always like, why are you guys taking so long to plan a hackathon? Like normally a hackathon is something you like to throw together with some pizza, you know, the day before or something. And the reason was, you know, as we first started setting out on this journey of thinking about like, how do we incorporate like racial equity and socioeconomic equity as a kind of lens into this, um, we became more and more aware of just how much work in a way that like we had to do in thinking about how to get those right people in the room. Um, <laughs> like it doesn't sound like it should be a hard problem, but it actually is kind of a hard problem. And I want to just tell one anecdote because it's really meaningful for the project and for the uh, beginning of the community innovation program. We were talking to a woman named Kadata Green, the executive director of the Black Mothers Stating Association in Detroit. And we were sort of telling her about the project, about some of the research that we wanted to do to bring kind of useful personas to the hackathon for, for people to work with so they could know like relevant use cases and things like this. And she's a national leader in breastfeeding inequity. And she's like, well, y'all, the event really sounds like the main value is attending. And so how many black designers are you all going to have in attendance at the event? And we're like, oh, you know, we didn't even, we hadn't even really been like thinking of it like that. And this is again, like 18 months prior to the <laughs> event actually happening. We're like, duh, you know, like we, we need to like really think about this as like, how do we bring folks here rather than having, I don't know, Boston and MIT people like making stuff for the rest of the world or something. And so that's where like, I think he really shifted. And that's how the community innovation program really began as we said, okay, well, like, how do we actually help scaffold folks who are already innovators in their communities. And so that was a like really amazing. And I got a transformative process where we all ended up like crying together I think the biggest thing was that, you know, we were helping them like, you know, learn some of the technical aspects of design. Um, but I think that they helped us quite a bit too in shaping what the hackathon really ended up being um, and where we ended up focusing our resources and our attention after our first meeting with these groups. Um, and I think it goes back to what we were saying before that, you know, once you get folks in the room who've had different experiences, like you're going to hear different information. So having, even thinking that we had talked to quite a few people, having them come to the room and hear what we were, were sharing, like it was them that said like, hey, like, I'm glad you invited us here, but like, this place is intimidating and you're going to have to figure out a way to help people get real comfortable real quick, but yeah. they're not going to trust you to do this work or like, Hey, like, you know, it's really great that you brought us here to teach us all this stuff. But this is a very linear process. And <laughs> most, you know, people of color do not think that way. And so like, how are you going, how are you going to like accommodate what is a very white way of thinking, technical way of thinking, like high academia, ivory tower way of thinking and like translate it for people who have never had these experiences before. So, you know, like it, it was really helpful to have them in the space trying out things um, and telling us like, hey, like all of your technical experience is great. But like we need you to take it and put it in a way that we'll be able to digest and understand. And I think 
um, that that challenge and them feeling like they could come to us and share is the reason why we're probably still so close with them now and like, wow, why we're so encouraging. And I think it's also why um, the hackathon we did in Detroit this summer, I think that's the reason why that one ended up being so successful is because we had all of this feedback from these folks in the community who were like, hey, this is what I think would make this work. And they were right. And we listened. And um, and I think it made a huge difference. Ah, <laughs> you listened. That's so odd. I don't That's understand. A novel idea, right? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my gosh. I feel like what, uh, talking to you ladies that I also would like to stand in a hallway with you and cry. Um, uh, <laughs> there was a lot of crying at the hackathon. It was, I mean, it, it's kind there was of a like, lot of crying. That we, I mean, it was, there was happy crying. There yeah. was sad crying. Yeah. There was, like, recounting birth trauma crying. There was recounting breastfeeding trauma crying. There was absurd breast milk like slide i don't know one woman stood on stage and like great breast milk into the audience i think there was like hilarious crying (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i just it was an experience really want to be invited to this event um okay we actually have to wrap up, and it is very clear we could continue talking. In fact, we might need to have you guys back on soon to continue oh, to talk it. about some of the stuff you guys are working on because we haven't even gotten into a lot of the things, including the book, uh, Speaking the Truth. So what I'm going to do is make sure that everybody's linked up. All our listeners are able to find out more about the Make the Breast Pump Not Suck project, as well as uh, the other projects you guys are working on. I just let me say thank you so much for listening to people. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Uh, Yeah, we're happy to come back anytime. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have you back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and not just have you back soon, but we're going to have to continue to check in on this project every couple of years to see what's developing. I love it. We are constantly doing things. So, yes, please, please, please. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much, and have a wonderful day. Thank you, you too. You all too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Brainwave, send a message, pick up the phone. When you like This is Amy Mann. And I'm Ted Leo. And we have a podcast called The Art of Process. We've been lucky enough over the past year to talk to some of our friends and acquaintances from across the creative spectrum to find out how they actually work. And so I have to write material that makes sense and makes people laugh. I also have to think about what I'm saying to people. If I kick your ass, I'll make you famous. The fight to get LGBTQ representation in the show. We weirdly don't know as many musicians as you would expect. I really just became a political speechwriter by accident. Accident. Of realizing that I have accidentally uh, pulled my pants down. <laughs> Listen and subscribe at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcast. It's like if the guinea pig was complicit in helping the scientist. Hi, it's me, Paula Poundstone. And it's me, Adam Felber. We have a podcast called Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. It's a comedy podcast where we bring on experts to teach us stuff we need to know. And, by the way, the guy who came to tell us what to do when you encounter a bear never showed up. Anyway, it's fun. 
You are guaranteed laughs in every episode. You can't really guarantee laughs. What if somebody doesn't laugh? We'll get sued. Join us for our next episode where we have an expert in consumer law explain to us how to defend ourselves against one humorless litigious shut-in with enough time on their hands to sue us over our unfulfilled claim of guaranteed laughs in every episode here at MaximumFun.org. The Cat of the Week is Mabel from Green Bank, West Virginia. I love speaking and listening to smart women. (laughs) Me too. In fact, if you want to continue basking in the glory of these two smart women, Catherine D'Ignazio, as well as Jen Roberts, you guys can head over to the Make the Breast Pump Not Suck Project, and you can see like all the different innovations and stories and experiences that have come out of the hackathons. Uh, It's just amazing. You know what's also amazing? Listening to a mom have a breakdown. Hello, Biz and Teresa. Um, This is... hmm, This is a... uh, It's a fail or a rant. I don't know. It's not that ranty. Um, It's like a life situation bullshit. That's what it is. So um, I'm folding everyone's fucking laundry right now. And um, (laughs) I was folding... A pair of my pants and I started folding them and I was sort of like half in my closet and half out of my closet and the pants were kind of out of the closet because I was folding them there for whatever reason. Uh, it sounds like I was all twisty turny, but that's how I feel. And um, all of a sudden I hear a sound that I didn't know what it was and I'm so tightly wound because so much shit is going on and I'm so stressed and so many things are changing in my life that I truly like could see myself in the panic, saw myself freeze like, what the fuck is that? And uh, then with that awareness of that that's what my body was doing, I had the presence of mind to realize that a nickel, a very scary nickel, fell out of my pants while I was folding my pants. So that's where I'm at, that I'm, I've got so much going on, and I'm, I'm so freaked out to the attunement of all the sounds around me that a nickel is terrifying. So, yeah, I got to see that I did that and laugh. Okay, well... Hopefully, hopefully that gets better. Um, you are doing a great job. Thanks for the show. Bye. Yeah. Hopefully that gets better. Yeah. Let's hope- say that to ourselves All every the day about everything. <laughs> well, hopefully that gets better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could apply that to everything. I really could. I too. mean, it's just like turn off the news. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully that, gets that gets better. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Putting your, your kid waking up for the, like the 20th yeah. time in the middle of the yeah. night, climbing into your bed. Yeah. Hopefully, Hopefully that gets better. Yeah. That is, yeah, you're wound tight. Yeah, yeah you are. You are. I What's t- that like? I have no idea. I have no idea. I've, I've never, never, never been scared by just the breathing of my children behind me without knowing it. Did you scream? Because I always scream. Yeah. Sometimes they're it's there. It's a shriek. It's more of more a shriek. A scream, and right? not as cathartic as I want it to no. be. Because it's because immediately you know that it's it wasn't not anything. called for. Mm-hmm. So but... it's more like it's more there's something wrong with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can always tell in my house because I'll think everything's going fine but mm-hmm. then a dog will bark unexpectedly yeah. and I'll shriek a yes. full shriek yes and you guys my dogs bark throughout the day yeah. like it's not 
It's not like my dogs yeah. are not barky dogs. Like yeah. they'll bark and I'll literally shriek. Like yeah. it's not like <gasps> it's it's a full vocal yeah. loud terrible noise. Yeah. And that's how I know you're not okay, Teresa. <laughs> well, hopefully that gets better. Hopefully that gets better. <laughs> I just love you and uh, we see you. Yeah, we do. We do. And I think the real takeaway is to stop doing laundry. Mm-hmm. Just ever. Yeah. Just be dirty. Mm-hmm. Stop putting nickels in your pockets. Oh, yeah. Stefan calls avoid me. Avoid putting change in your pockets. Stefan calls me Sonic the Hedgehog because ever since he has known me, if you pick up a pair of my jeans, uh-huh. just nickels and pennies. Like, just change just always. <laughs> And it's like roll everywhere. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. You're doing a very good job. Yeah, you are. Yeah. You have a lot of self-awareness. That's I'm a impressed plus. by all your self-awareness. I agree. Yeah. Teresa, mm-hmm. what have we learned today? Well, we learned that our children are going to continue to get older. And uh, it's going to hit us. In the most of unusual ways. Goodbye, Starblocks. Hmm. We and should open a business called Starblocks. Let's Star do Starblocks and Octoflusses. <laughs> it's a it's toy a, store, it's a, I guess. I was going to say a oh. sex toy store. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's just Even like better. a shop for you to get your yeah. mom porn. There we go. Um, that's it. I mean, I, you know, almost all of our conversations that we have here somehow probably tie back to the idea that we start out with these very young beings in our house. They're a lot of work, and then they keep getting older, and we keep getting tired. Mm-hmm. And those things don't always go well. Tired and emotions, mm-hmm. not good friends. Mm-hmm. And things like Starblocks can really make you feel sad mm-hmm. uh, when before you had kids, you would have thought it was dumb. <laughs> what's wrong with you? That's dumb. What's wrong with your... <laughs> That's dumb. It's Starbucks. Starbucks. Now go get your mother a latte. <laughs> anyway, we also learned that listening is important, guys. God yeah. damn it. I mean, this is dumb. Everybody needs to be invited to the table. If you feel like something related to your health or well-being doesn't seem to fit quite right, it's probably because it was designed a long time ago by a very small group of people, and no one really gave a shit how it might affect you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Surprise! So let's continue to listen to each other and invite as many voices to the listening party as possible. And again, what I always learn uh, from doing the show is that those voices might be and probably will be different from mine. Same with experiences. And no one's having those experiences at me. And it's good to listen. It's good to listen. Learning is a good thing. Everybody, you're all doing a really good job. We see you. You're tired. We're tired. It's a lot. And it doesn't help when the things around you probably weren't really made for you. (laughs) Yet, it's what we got. That doesn't help. But you're doing great. Teresa, 
You're doing a really good job. Thanks, Biz. So are you. Thank you. We are going to talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Bunn, our producer, Hannah Smith, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blue. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blue. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.